This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parshas Vayete, Parshas Vayete, Tufshin Ayin Dalit. Okay, uh, we got a we got a lot to do over here. Yaakov Avinu, he's uh, coming to Choron after a brief pit stop, right after Shane the Aver for 14 years, and then stops off in the middle of the uh, the middle Haramari or somehow something something came to him, some type of kisadar, and he asks Lavan for Rachel Imenu's hand in marriage. It says Vayahav Yaakov is Rachel, the beginning of Shlishi. Yaakov loved Rachel by Yomer, and he said, I'm going to work for you for seven years, the Rachel Bitzchah Hakitanim. For Rachel, your daughter, the younger one. Now, this is an unbelievable offer. Why in the world was Yaakov you know, willing to offer seven years of work for Rachel? Let's try to understand a lot over here. First of all, it's very strange that he didn't marry her in the first place. He's 63 years, years old when he gets to Rachel. 63 years altogether, and Yitzchak was 123 at the time. He leaves soon after that, and then spends 14 years in Shem the Aver, which means then Yeshiva's Aver, and Shem was already dead. Those 14 years born at the age of 77. At the age of 77, he reaches Karan, finds Rachel, falls in love with her, and then says to Laban, I'll work for you for 7 years for your daughter, which means he didn't get married till the age of 84. By any account of when you're supposed to have Puravu, when you're supposed to get married, I think 84 is... is Lafi all the shitas. I don't think there is a single shita that says by the age of 84 you should be single. <laughs> there is one that might say 40 because of Yitzchak and Rivka, possibly, although it could be a mistake in the text. There's a way of reading it where you can read it a little bit differently. That they got married at 40, that you should get married at 40. Breakouts, 84 is for sure way out of the loop. There's no question about that. I mean, again, I, I always like to make the joke about it, but I hate, you know, you don't want to say such a thing. Or like, Rachel Imenu and Rivka Imenu and Yitzchak Imenu are sitting down with Yaakov and saying, like, we think it might be time for you to get married. You know, you're 63. I think it might be time. And he's just like, I need another couple of years in Yeshiva. <laughs> like, 14 years in Yeshiva. And even then, he waits another seven years. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. One after the other. Wow. Sam. Unbelievable. This is crazy. Unbelievable. So, well, what happens over here? There's a sefer called the Tzimtzenes Hamon. He quotes the Gemara in Erevin Daf Samach Aleph of an Aleph. And if you're in the counting mode, this is number one. Erevin Samach Aleph of an Aleph that says when a dog comes into a new city, it takes him seven years to start barking because it's afraid of all the other dogs in that place. Yaakovina knew he was going to be living by Lavan. He knew he was going to be living by Lavan and he wanted to have a, an opinion. He wanted to be part of something. He wanted to be able to fight and do something. What he was worried about is that if he got married immediately, he He'd be in Lovin's house. He'd be bustled to Lovin's house the whole time. And his wife would rule over him. And he wanted to make sure that he was the man of the household. Not subservient to Lovin and giving in to everything that Lovin said. But rather that he was going to have the upper hand and he would be the new dog in town. Right? He would be that new dog in town. So he waited seven years that he would get used to the ways of the city. Know what he had to do. He would be a full toast shop of the city. Get his bearings. And then be ready to be in charge. That's the reason why he waited seven years and why he put in. Okay, but why seven? Why not six? Why not eight? Where does number seven come from? So number two, the Medjah Gada says that this is the way that the Evan Ivory works. How long does an Evan Ivory work for? Sheishanim Tavod. Six years he works. That's when he goes free. And so too over here. Yaakov Avinu worked in a way in which it would be a little bit more than six years. He was the Evan Ivory and left in the middle of his seventh year. There was an opinion that said that it was not seven full years, but 
rather this year up until Rosh Hashanah and another six years after that and that's the opinion of Ebed Ivri that it ended up being a six and a little bit more to be able to be like an Ebed Ivri and that's where that's where Yaakov got it from he got it from the concept in the Torah called Ebed Ivri Torah Shlema brings down a Medrash the Rabbeinu Bakia brings down the exact same Medrash at the time how old was Rachel when he first met her? five years old kind of explains why he was able to kiss her Nothing really wrong with a 77-year-old man giving a 5-year-old kid a kiss on the top of her forehead. Even if he was going to marry her later. But because she was only 5, he didn't want to be together with her because he wanted to make sure he would be together with her at a time when she would be able to have children. And at 5, no woman is able to have children. Or normal women are not able to have children. So he waited 7 years for her to be 12, a Nara, in which he could marry her and she'd be able to have children so he wouldn't be over on wasted seed. He wouldn't have to worry about that. So they both say that that's why he waited 7 years. That's true. Nonetheless, he felt, there is a Gemara that says about Rav, that being together with a Katana would be considered Shekhar Zerolavatala. And therefore he said that. I'm sorry? So they would beat up somebody with that. No, that's if you're a Mekadish Badia, but not by a Kitano. Not by a Kitano. No, the Lo Shiduchen and Mekadish Badia are the two. That's the Gemara with Rav. So those are the two over there. The Chsam Sofer is number four. Chsam Sofer in the Haftorah says he didn't feel he was ready yet to get married. Didn't feel he was ready yet. At the age of 77, he wasn't ready to get married yet. So waited another seven years. The Ksamsofer goes on as to why he felt he wasn't ready yet. Very confusing little thing and a little bit Kabbalistic, which he says that there are certain things that a person has to accomplish in this world before he gets married. And Yaakovinu felt that he hadn't perfected it yet. I can't imagine Yaakovinu didn't perfect everything before he got married. It doesn't explain it in the way that I'd like to explain it. So unfortunately he wasn't there, so that's the reason why. That's the Ksam Sofer. Another answer the Torah Shlema gives is number five. He was worried. Who was supposed to marry Leah? Asa was supposed to marry Leah. Now he was worried about the following. It's possible that if he goes and marries Leah and he knew that somehow Lovin was going to trick him and that he was going to marry Leah in some way, shape, or form. If he goes and marries Leah without any forewarning, then Asa would have yet another Taina on him. He stole my Bechorah, he stole my Bracha, and he stole my wife. He stole my wife. How could he have done that? So Yaakovino sent a message back, says the Torah Shlema. Sent a message back and asked Asa, do you want to marry Leah? And waited seven years to wait for a response. He didn't want to marry the youngest daughter first. He just went to Asa and asked Asaph to take her, since Leah was already betrothed to Asaph, he didn't want to say anything, so what ended up happening? He waited seven years, and in the end, that ended up happening. He yeah, waited he until there would be a... Time for seven years. Before he started working, he said, I'll work for seven years. How do you know he's going to get an answer in seven years? He said, I'll wait seven years. He considered that like almost like a shalim zman, like a shavua of a shemitah cycle. It would be like a full zman. And he figured that by that time, he's going to answer one way or the other, so I'll know what I'm supposed to do. Asaph did not answer the whole time, which meant that there was nothing to do. He had done it, now there's no more time today. I'm sorry? Well, to him. They were like a dead. Right, for him, to him. He knew it was for Leah. No, no, no. He knew that somehow he was going to get Leah, but he didn't know that Leah was going to be first. That he didn't know about yet. What if he would have answered, like, like, the second day? He'd be like, whoops. He said, no. What do you mean? Oh, meaning, what if he would have responded immediately? What if he would have responded immediately? He would have responded immediately. See, this is the funny part. There was nothing holding Yaakovino back from saying in the middle of it, okay, there's no reason for me not to finish up the seven years, but let me get married right now. There's no reason to say that. Meaning, if you're getting married based on a basic halva, I'm lending you my services and something like that, then why not get married now? 
and do the services afterward. We'll get to that in a second, but that's the idea behind what, that, that, that would be the answer to that question as well. The Orach Haim answers, this is a very strange answer. Sheva, Sheva Yipol Tzadik become. Have you heard of that concept before? Seven times a Tzadik will fall, but then he'll get up. A Tzadik works very hard, says the Orach Haim, to keep himself in Machnia mode, to keep himself in your greater than me mode, so that when the time is right, you can get up and surprise your enemies. That's the idea, that's the mode that he had put himself into and that's what he's supposed to be. The number seven shows his humility that he's subservient to Lavan, that Lavan's going to be in charge and he's saying I will let you have a full ownership on me and that's the evidence reports that Sheva Yifal Tzadik it's as if I'll fall seven times but in the end they come. I will get up and that's where he started having all of his shatim. The greatness of Yaakovino was his patience and his subs- um, the word that I'm looking for his not subservience. He's willing to wait. But I'm waiting for a word that's bigger than that. You guys are all working, working for sources. No, come on. Dedication. Patience. Dedication. No, neither one of those. It's a... Let's go with all of that. Self-control. To be able to wait seven years to the point where it came, he could say, now it's time for me to get up and go. And that's why, by the way, if you look at everything, everything the Yaakovino did was in multiples of seven. Fourteen years in Yeshiva's Aver is a multiple of seven. He waited until, I mean, obviously 77 is the amount that was over there. He waits, worked seven years and another seven years and then went back there to stroll in the seventh year. That everything had to do with sevens when it came to Yaakovino's life. There's something that, that has to do with that. Maybe I'm sorry. I have probably six. I would assume so. Favorite holiday was Sukkot. Why? That's nine days or eight days. Eight days. I understand, but you know, Shmini Atzeres. Yeah, exactly. Pesach is better. Let's say Pesach. Either way, I don't think he had a favorite Chag. I don't think he did. He might have, but I doubt it. Ravaran Cutler. I'm sorry? <laughs>
strange, soft-looking from all of her crying, which meant the following. It meant that Lavan would do anything to convince Yaakov to grab Leah as a wife, and anything could happen for Lavan to be able to give Leah over to Yaakov. And number four, she was so beautiful that Lavan's going to ask for an exorbitant amount for her marriage, for her hand in marriage from Yaakovinu. For those four reasons that are mentioned in Pasuk Tatzayin and Pasuk Yudzayin, he thought it would be a fair deal to do the following. I'll work for you for Lovin for a total of three years. Three years for Rachel. Three years of work. Make the husband. That's a lot of money, Lovin. That's a lot of money. For such a beautiful girl, I'm willing to put it in. Now, I want you to guarantee me that you're not going to make me marry Leah as well. I want this to be a guarantee and part of our stipulation in this contract that I will not be married to Leah as well. I'm only going to be married to Rachel. And for that, I'll be willing to add on another two years for that stipulation to make sure that that happens. And then the other thing that I want to add on is that I don't have to delay the marriage. Allow me to get married before Leah if Leah is not married off by that time. Allow me to delay another, a little bit more and to make sure that it's going to happen in the proper time. For that, I'll work for you for another two years for. So what he said was, three years for Rachel two years so that I don't marry both and another two years so that I get the, to marry Rachel when I want to and not when you want to that's seven years altogether said the Malvin that's my deal take it or leave it Lovin what do you want to do Lovin never took the deal listen to what he says after it says, give me your daughter, it's better for me to give her to you than give her to somebody else. Come and sit with me. Now that sounds like he agreed to the deal. Sounds like, deal. Come with me. Start your work now. Everything's all there for you. That's not what he said. It's better for me to give her to you as a gift rather than for me to give her to somebody else. Stay with me for free and I'll pay for you and I'll do anything you want. When Yaakovinu started working, there wasn't a stipulation of the contract. There was no contract. Lovin said, no, I don't need anything. I'll give her to you for free. Eventually. But that's the part that he left out. Yaakov thought that he accepted the deal. And if he accepted the deal, he couldn't renege on the deal. They had a contract. What Lovin was saying is, I never signed the contract. I said that I'll give her to you for free. He went back on nothing. So when later on he gave him Leah, he went up to Lavan and said, Lavan, you gave me your word. You said you were a giver to me and I made this as my stipulations in the deal. To which Lavan said, there was no deal. I never shook hands on it. I never said yes to your deal. I said, just stay with me for free. Oh, you worked for me? That was a great, that, that was a great honor. I appreciate you working for me for the next seven years. But I never said yes to that deal. I never said yes. And because of that, I can do whatever I want with it. And he delayed and then he gave, her Le- gave him Leah, and only then did he give him Rachel. That was the trick, said Malcolm. And that shows the trickiness of Lavan and what he was able to do to Yaakov Avinu. Brilliant. An absolute brilliant move. It's just you don't do that to anybody. But that was an absolute brilliant move. Rashi says, Avod Kosheva Shanim, and the rest of this is basically going to be based on Rashi. Haim Yomim Akadim Sha'amra If anybody remembers from last week's portion, if you don't, don't worry. You just didn't do Shanimak Rafatargo, and that's perfectly fine. Yitzchak said, I want you to go find a wife from that area from over there. Okay? So he says like that. Rivka Aminu had suggested that to Yitzchak. He said, Now my son, listen to my voice. Get up, 
run to my brother Lavan in Haran. Live with him for a few days. <coughs> for just a few days. Says Rashi. These are the few days that his mother had mentioned to him. Stay by my brother for a few days. That meant seven years. This was it. Seven years is a few. And I'll prove it to you. Says Rashi. How often does Rashi bring a proof to his words? How often does that happen? I'll prove to you that that's so. It was in his eyes as if it was just a few days. Those were the Yomim Achadim that Rifkim in with said for him to stay by Ace, for him to stay by Lavan. Those were the actual Yomim Achadim. So now that's Rashi. Rashi gives up chat and he says that's the idea behind it. Now that's crazy. Why would Yomim Akadim, translated literally means Yomim days, Akadim a few, how in the world could that refer to seven years? Why would Yitzchok, and remember, this is not, why would Yaakov you know, even have a Havamina that a few days means seven years? That's crazy. Why would you think that way? And there's an Akhlas Yaakov. Rivka knew that Esau hated Yaakov. And it would take a long time for Esau to get over that hatred of Yaakov. So what did she do? She suggested to Yaakov in a hinting manner, stay away from here. Get out. Go somewhere else. Go hang out somewhere else. You don't want to be around here. If you're around here, every time Esau sees you, he's going to think of the fact that you stole something from him, and he's going to want to kill you. Get out. Leave for a while. Be gone for a long time. When she said, she said a few days that Esau would hear it and say, okay, he's coming back soon. I'll see what I can do then. Otherwise, Esau would have tried to kill him before he left. And he did even. Alifaz was sent, right? You see, he even did attempt to kill him in a certain way, even though he thought he was coming back in a few days. But what Rivkimin really meant was stay away for a while. Yamim are years. Echodim can mean days that are known as Echod. What is the one day of the week that has no partner? Because Sunday is Monday, Tuesday is Wednesday, Thursday is Friday. Shabbos has no partner. Stay away for a yamim, a year of achadim, of Shabbosos. Now, how many Shabbosos are there in a Hebrew calendar year? 354 days. Give or take, there's about 35 Shabbosos, 50 Shabbosos per year. Five zero altogether. Okay? Now, if you want to have a year of Shabbos, that's 354 Shabbosos. So you'd need seven years of Shabbos. 50 Shabbosos per year. Seven times 50 is 350. And that way you'd have a year of Shabbosos to be able to stay away. But what she was saying is, stay away as long as you can, so that Asaph will be able to be, just get over it. He'll be able to get over it, and then you can come back. But stay away as long as you can for that reason. In theory, Yaakov could have negotiated with Lavan. In theory, he could have said, Lavan, listen, how about one year? Lavan suggests 20 years. He'll go down to two years. Maybe he could have knocked him down a little bit. Maybe that could have happened. But he's worried. Maybe Lavan won't be agreeable. She told me, my mother told me I have to be away for seven years anyway. So he waited for those seven years. He took those, took those seven years and didn't want to lose Ruck a lot of negotiations, accepted the seven years and used that as his idea over here and that's what it was supposed to be. Now the Chosamilu Blin, who gives the Chiddush, he's the one that gives the Chiddush of Yamim Akadim is a year of one dayers, which is a year full of Shabbosos. Altogether, 354 days of Shabbos, which would be a total of seven years altogether. 
Reb Shore adds on to this. He gives a little bit of muster that comes a little bit with it. He says the Rivki Menu knew in order to withstand the pure raw tumor of her brother Lavan and the house that he was going to be in, he needed to be Makadish himself on Shabbos. The same way that we can only get through the week by going through Shabbos beforehand, by having a Shabbos that infuses us with Kedusha for the rest of the week, so to Rivki Menu knew that the only way for him to do this was to be able to infuse himself with Kedusha before he was fully in Lavan's house. So she told him, go to Yeshiva Saber, stay there for 14 years, be there to be able to get on the Kedusha of Shabbos, take the Kedusha of Shabbos with you for 14 years, and then don't let yourself just jump into Lavan's house. Spend your Shabbos, so to speak, out in the fields with the sheep. Allow yourself to have 7 years of Kedusha before you enter inside his house, and before you end up getting married, and that's the way you're going to be okay, and that's the only way it's going to be. We need this for any mundane matter, let alone for Yaakov you know, to get married and to have the Shvatim. That took a lot. We see what happened to Avram you know, having the Shvatim. He was only able to have one, and that was only Yitzchak of you know. Yitzchak tried to have Shvatim. He came out with two, and barely came out with two because of Esau. Yaakov was able to do this. It took a lot of work for him to prepare himself to get up the Kedusha to become shalim enough to have these 12 Shvatim and to allow them to be the great people that they were. This is part of the reason. But he wasn't planning on staying in Lavan's house. Hmm? His original plan was seven years, get Leah, and then... Do we know that? Like, well, it seems to be the whole thing was Yavim Ahadim in seven years. Clearly he stayed afterward. After the 14 years. After that. Even after that. Right, no. We don't know what Yaakov's plan originally was or end up being was. We know at the end he left when Yosef was born because he knew that Yosef would be up against Esau. That he knew. He knew that he needed a child that would go up against Esau in some way. He knew that he was going to get married. I don't know if he knew how many wives he was going to have. And he knew about the children. The 12 rocks turning into one in the beginning of the partial was a clear indication that he was going to have 12 kids that were going to be ma'achid into one. They all knew about the 12 shrapen. When he saw 12 rocks turn into one, he realized that that was going to be him. He was going to be the father of all these children, the progenitor of all these children. What else did he know? I don't know. I, I can't tell you what exactly he knew or what he was planning on doing. The plan of seven years was because Rick came in and told him to do it. The rest of it is up for grabs. He was without a question punished for it. 22 years he stayed away from Yitzhak Avinu. 22 years Yosef was taken away from him. But I don't know what the full plan was. But notice one thing. Yaakov Inu created something that was not made beforehand. See, we have to understand something. Avinu created a tefillah called Shachris. And that's based on the Korban Tamid that we bring every morning. He also, Yitzchak of you, created the tefillah called Mincha, based on the Tamid Shalbein Arbayim. That was there. Avram still davened Mincha. We have a riot of that in the Gemara in Erevin. Yitzchak still davened Shachlis. We do not have a riot of that, but the Gemara says that Yitzchak added on Mincha, which seems that he already davened Shachlis and he added on Mincha. Mariv was not made by either one of them, because Mariv was a Rishus. The reason why it's Rishus is because why do we do Mariv? What Korban is brought at night? <coughs> That's right. The imurim, which are the limbs and the fats, which are burned on these bath at night. Is there a guarantee that you're going to have limbs and fats at night? Is there a guarantee that there's going to be limbs and fats there to burn? No, not always. Sometimes there will be. Sometimes, unfortunately, there aren't. And if there aren't any, that means, so to speak, you're not chayiv and marth. There's no chayiv for that tefillah because this tefillah is a rishus. Yaakov Avinu made Mariv into a chova, so to speak. By da- 
davening it on that night, even though he meant to daven mincha. Then all of a sudden the sun sets. He davened Marib and he made it for us into being somewhat of a chiv, something that was there. And even though later on the Gemara argues it's a Roshus or a Chova. Rabbi Yeshua held it was a Roshus. Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel held it was a Chova. Nonetheless, he created the concept of what Marib is. Why? Because what he's trying to say is that Kedusha can be Chal even in the most unlikely scenarios and in places where there's pure Tuma. Like nighttime, where there's no day to help you, there's no Akarish Baruch that's clear, nothing is clear to you, even at night something can help you, and that was the point of Marv. But now we got the Bear Basada. Everything has been leading up to this, and let me tell you, if you don't know this story, you got to know this story. It's a Gemara Baba Kamad that cooks your design of an owl. I'm going to run through it really quickly, but it's an unbelievable story. Rev Kahana was sitting in front of Rav and a man came in and said that he was going to tell on the government on a certain Jew that he had done something wrong Rav said you can't you can't and the guy said I will I will right in Rav's face Rukana was so angry he tore out his throat I don't know exactly how he did that sounds like the coolest thing in the world sounds sort of Mortal Kombat-ish but regardless he yeah. tore out his throat I'm sorry Indiana Jones Indiana Jones not the throat. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's a heart. Okay, yeah, no, okay. That, that, yeah, I still got that in my head. It's the throat thing I didn't get. Tore out his throat. Rob turned to Rav Khan and said, Look, we're not living in the old, the old Persians anymore. We're living with different people around us called the Chaveran. you got to get out of here because if you stay here, they're going to kill you. No longer can you bribe the government and get out of it. They're going to kill you. Get out. So Rav Khan said, Where should I go? He said, Accept upon yourself a gullus of seven years. Go to Rabbi Yochanan in Eretz Yisrael, sit by him for seven years, and do not ask him any questions. You should be in Gullus. Don't do anything else. Have it be a pain for you for seven years, and only afterward can you come back to Bubble. Rav Kana went. He went to Eretz Yisrael, sat down on the shear, and he was told not to ask Rabbi Yochanan any questions. Came to the shear that Rishlakish was giving. Rishlakish was going over shear that morning to the Talmudim, and he said, who is that guy? They told him Rishlakish, and he said, I have this kasha and that kasha and this kasha and that kasha. So the Talmudim brought the questions to Rishlakish, Rishlakish said, oh, we have an Arisha Bechabura. We have a lion that's coming to Shiri. He went and told Rabbi Yochanan, we have a lion Shabakabura that's coming tomorrow. Go look for him. The next day, Rukana sat down in Shir. Rabbi Yochanan was giving Shir and he brought up something. Rukana didn't ask any questions. Asked another thing. Rukana didn't bring up anything. So he said, that's not a lion, that's a fox. He tricked you yesterday. So they brought Rukana seven rows back. Said he was farther away from Rabbi Yochanan. Rukhan, who hadn't been in the back row in a very, very long time, was extremely embarrassed. And he said, let the seven rows be a kapara for the seven years of gullus that I was supposed to have, the amount of embarrassment that I just had. And he said, Rabbi Yochanan, go over the shear again. Rabbi Yochanan went through the shear again. Rabbi Yochanan started asking questions. Every time he asked a question, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan sat on seven pillows. Every time he asked a question, one of the pillows was taken away. After he asked the seventh question, Rabbi Yochanan was brought back to the front row. Rabbi Yochanan was sitting on the ground. Rabbi Yochanan realized this guy really knows what he's talking about. He said, lift up my eyes. Rabbi Yochanan had these massive eyelashes. He was very old, over 200 years old. These massive eyelashes. The only way to open up his eyes was by taking these pokers and opening up his eyelids. So they brought these pokers to open up his eyelids. He looked at Rabkana and thought that Rabkana was laughing at him. He wasn't. Rabkana had a cut in his lip underneath, some type of a weird cut that made it look like he was smirking. But he wasn't smirking. Rabbi Yochanan thought he was. He got so upset... Rukhana died because Rabbi Yochanan got upset. That happened quite a bit around Rabbi Yochanan. You didn't want to get him upset. So Rabbi Yochanan, he died. The next day, Rabbi Yochanan turned to the Talmudim and he said, Did you see that guy and what he was doing to me yesterday? Did you see what Rukhana was doing, what that guy Kahana was doing to me yesterday? They said, Rabbi, that's what he looked like. He had a scar. 
And he's like, oh, gosh. So he ran to his cave. Suddenly, the cave was surrounded by a snake. That's a story for another time. He said, snake, snake, achna, achna. open up your mouth and let a Rebbe come in to see a Talmud. Snake wouldn't open. He said, let a Chaver come in to see a Chaver. Snake wouldn't open. Let a Talmud, said Rebbe Yochanan, come in to see his Rebbe. Then the snake opened. He went inside, brought Rebkana back to life, because that was an everyday occurrence for Rebbe Yochanan. So he brought him back to life. Rebkana didn't want to come back. He said, I don't want to come back unless you promise me you'll never do this to me again. Rabbi Yochanan said, stay in my yeshiva and answer my questions. You won't have to worry. And Rabbi Yochanan used to go around saying, our Torah and Eretz Yisrael is all from Kahana and Baba. All from Rabbi Kahana and Baba. That's the Misa that's brought down in Baba Kama Kufyad Zion. The Be'erba said it brings it down and asks, why in the world was he told seven years? Why was he told seven years to stay away? And isn't that coincidental over here? Yaakov didn't kill Esau. But he took away all of his brothers, which in essence killed any sense of ruchnius that Asaph would ever have. For all intents and purposes, it was as if he had just killed Asaph. What is the kapara for killing someone, even if the guy deserves to die? Even if he was told to do it, and Yaakov was told to do it by his mother. What is the kapara for doing such a thing? Rav Paskin. Rav Paskin. Kapara. Gullus. <coughs> For seven years. So Yaakov, you know, was told by Rachel Emenu, by Rivka Emenu, go into Gullus for seven years. Rega, why seven years? Why seven years? Why is that a kapara? Because the normal life of a man is 70 years, seven zero years. So giving a tenth of your life as an atonement, remember at the beginning of the Parsha, Yaakov, you know, offered a miser whatever you give me I will take a miser off for you I'll take a tenth off for you giving a tenth of that seven years would be a perfect kapara that would be the amount for stealing the brachos and he would accomplish that by going to Gaulus for seven years and he did it he went into seven years and he didn't want to just live those seven years in a normal way he wanted to work hard so that the kapara would be a real kapara he stayed in the daytime even when it was boiling hot watching the sheep in the night when it was freezing and it was snowing outside he stayed with the sheep. He would live a life of pain for those seven years in order to get the kapara for stealing away the brachos away from Esau. That answers why the 14 years in yeshiva didn't count. He was already 14 years in yeshiva. Why didn't that count as his gullus? Because living in yeshiva was a tranquil life. He had no problems there. He sat and learned unperturbed. He was fine with everything he was doing. That didn't count as a kapara at all. Maybe even he intended for that to be the kapara. But after 14 years, he looked back and he's like, those are the best 14 years of my life. So that can't be a kapara. And that's why he suggested, I've got to be in Gullus for seven years anyway. I've got to make it be a kapara. So he said to Robin, I've got to be here for seven years anyway. I'll work seven years for your daughter. Levon thinks this is a great deal. I'm getting seven years of work for my guy. But Yaakov would have had to do this anyway without being married. He needed to do seven years of Gullus as a kapara. He was going to do it anyway. Yaakov didn't lose a thing out of working those seven years. Did not lose one thing. He always meant to be doing that. And then he goes into an unbelievable Kiddush. Everybody says, so strange. These years were like Yomim Achadim. They passed by just like a few days. And they were over. He never knew that they went. 
These days they were literally like a few days. Now guys, come on. Whenever you want something so badly, time is so slow. Time never flies. Time only flies when you're having fun. If Jacobino's not having fun and he's waiting to marry Ruffle and he's working like a dog for seven years, how could this pass like Yomim HaFadim? Incorrect, says the You're not learning it correctly. These years, and this is the way to be able to look at it, it says, by Yavu Yaakov Rachel Shavashanin, he worked for seven years, by Yubi'enav, and it became in his eyes, Ki Yomim Akodim, like the Yomim Akodim, like days of a kapara that Ritka Yimenu told him to do, to be there for seven years and be in Gullus, because he loved her so much and he wanted to get married so badly. It went by like centuries. Every day was a, was a century to him he wanted to get married so badly to Rachel Yimenu. Every day was like that for him, but yet he knew he needed to suffer enough he did it. You asked before, what about an ear mikla? What about a person who kills somebody accidentally? Although the Be'er Basadi does not ask that question, I thought that the reason why is because there the Pusik says specifically you wait until the Kohen Gadol dies. That's the only reason why it's like Zeris HaKasuf. Otherwise, seven years is a good enough Kapara. That does work. Otherwise, that, that, that would be a perfect answer. How about the Gol Adam? Gol Adam. Gol Adam. No, Gol Adam also has a mitzvah or a rishus. He's given permission to do what he needs to do. And that's the reason why he's sent out there. Great question, but that's the reason why. We only have a, a minute left, so I'm going to end off with this. The last thing we have to understand here is the concept of shepherding Lovin's sheep. Shepherding Lovin's sheep. This was not a simple task. This is not just getting out there and taking care of sheep all over the place. Revolson says, it seems from many key brings down the, the colloquial Svarmakadoshim, which I always love. I love that line. But it is. It's brought down in every safer. That these sheep were 600,000 sheep that he came out with at the end of the day. They were the Neshamos of Dor HaMabel, Dor HaFlaga, and Dor Sidon. Those Neshamos that died in those three major occurrences, those three major catastrophes, I should say, they became the Neshamos of these sheep, and these sheep that he had saved by Yatselosom, and he saved them, literally, Yatselosom, who took them away from Lavan, became his children, the 600,000 Jews who ended up leaving Mitzrayim. These are the 600,000 Shalom. And Sidon. The Rabbeinu Bachayo mentions this in two different places that these Neshamas had to come back. This Avodah was so much work because it wasn't just watching over the sheep. It was spiritually walking over the sheep. Watching over the, sheep. the famous line from the Aftarov, the Aftarov said, I remember when I was a sheep under Yaakovinu's tutelage and he one time hit me right here. And he had a birthmark on a certain part of his body. He said that was from the staff of Yaakovinu when he hit me when I was that sheep. That's what the Aftarov said. I don't remember any of that. I, I don't know if any of them. Since I did, Revolson quotes it from Sfarim HaKedoshim. Okay, so, but I can tell you, I've seen it in the Tzvar Shlomo. I've seen it in the, the, the what's called the, uh, the Me'ashi Loach. They quoted that it's 600,000 sheep altogether. That's what it ended up being. This is why Avram Vinu Davins by Sidon. Do you ever wonder what happened to Avram Vinu's Tzvilos? He Davins all these things and nothing happens. He Davins for B'nai Yisrael. The Tzvilos worked for B'nai Yisrael. It allowed the Neshamos of Sidon to have a Tikkun by going into the sheep for Yaakov and then eventually becoming Klau Yisrael. That's what ended up happening over here. He didn't want to be distracted by anything. And maybe this is our 13th answer. He didn't want to be distracted by anything there. And that's why he worked for seven years before starting his life with, was starting his 
his life with a wife and kids. He wanted to make sure that he had done this in the correct way. He waited and waited and waited to make sure that it was done correctly. And once he did it correctly and he knew that the sheep were being saved, then he got married and then he had kids and then he started all of Kali Yisrael. That's the idea behind it. We'll stop with that guy. Great job.